I uh, am happy to be here this morning again to share from our series on I Am. Now, uh, on Easter, I uh, kind of filled you in that we'd be going over this series, but I think that I might have misled you just a little bit. I said that we'd be doing it uh, over the course of April and that we would look at these I Am statements in, in uh, just a couple Sundays. However, as I started to get into studying these statements, I, I saw that there's just so much more depth than what we could cover in, in two weeks. So this series I've extended. We're going to actually look at each of these I Am statements over the course of this month and, and uh, uh, wrapping up this month, but also uh, uh, through uh, the beginning of June. So we're going to continue with this, this look at the I Am statements that Jesus made in the book of John. Now this week as I was uh, preparing uh, this message and looking at the passage that we're going to look at today from John chapter 8. I remembered a story from the Old Testament, a story of the Israelite people, and uh, the story of uh, a man named um, Joseph who uh, kind of was sold into slavery. Do you remember this story? He was sold into slavery by his brothers, and he ended up in a far-off land in prison. But through his faithfulness to God and his his obedience, he was blessed. And as he was blessed, he grew in his, his influence and, and his, the respect that he had of the people who were over him and until ultimately he was placed uh, over all of the land. In fact, the, only the Pharaoh, the king, was more important than Joseph. And so Joseph brought his family, reunited his family together with him in Egypt, and, and they were able to survive a, a famine, a drought, and his family and their future generations took up residence there within Egypt. And while they were there living in Egypt, God blessed them. In fact, the scripture says they multiplied greatly and they became exceedingly numerous there within the land. But ultimately, Joseph passed away and, and the influence that he had enjoyed and the safety and security that his family and his descendants enjoyed within the land of Egypt began to fade. And, and the Bible says that a new pharaoh came to power, a new king arose who did not know Joseph. And so when he saw these exceeding numbers of Joseph's descendants, he began, began to be worried about the, the uh, uh, fact that maybe they would take over, that they would uh, rise up against him and his authority. And so he began to uh, make it more and more difficult for them to ultimately the, the descendants of Joseph, the Israelites, became slaves in Egypt. Now that took place over a course of about 400 years. And at the end of that 400 years, the, the people of Israel, they were tired and they were, they were burdened and they cried out to God. They cried out and, and God heard them. He heard their cries. And enter into the picture a man named Moses. And Moses was rescued by God himself and raised within the Egyptian families and, and ultimately ran away and, and was uh, kind of escaping his responsibilities in life, living as a shepherd. When one day on a hillside, God enlisted him, right? He called out to him through the burning bush and, and he gave him a new job. He gave him a new role to act as his voice. To the people and to help deliver the people of Israel from their captivity in Egypt. And so Moses said, well, who am I supposed to tell is behind this? Who, who is the authority? Who is the one who's leading this? It, they won't just listen to me. And God said, you tell them that the I am sent you. I am who I am, said the Lord. And so Moses obeyed. 
And he went to the people of Israel or the Israelites and 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 he uh, helped deliver them from the hands of the Pharaoh through the uh, the ten plagues. And and the people after that tenth plague, the the death of the firstborn escaped Egypt 430 years after they had moved there to escape the famine. And so God delivered them from the Pharaoh and from the Egyptian armies. Now, it says in Scripture that as they left the land, as they as they fled for their lives, that God was with them and that he guided them by a cloud by day and a uh, pillar of fire by night. In Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 through 22, it records this. It says, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. God showed his presence to the people. He showed his leading of the people in a very visible way by this cloud by day and by this pillar of fire by night. And I love this picture of God, this picture of our rescuer who delivers us from captivity and leads us by his pillar of light out of darkness. The Apostle John in John chapter 1 picks up this, this visual picture of God uh, when he says these words in John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light for all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only to give witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into this world. John again picks up this idea of God guiding us by bringing light, by being light. No longer would Jesus coming into the world, the Messiah, the Deliverer, no longer would men need a cloud by day to guide them. No longer would they need a pillar of fire by night to lead them through the darkness. No longer would men need to set up a tabernacle or journey to a temple to worship God. And no longer would men need a priest to have access to God. In John chapter 1, in verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. The Word, the light of the world, became flesh. He made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, this is where we pick up with our next I am statement. In John chapter 8, in John 8, we find a record of Jesus interacting with some of the Jewish followers, the Jewish people, during a feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles was a memorial of this journey that we read at the beginning, or that I talked about at the beginning of this message, with the people of Israel escaping Egypt. And as they would travel through the desert, they lived within tents, or little mini tabernacles, that's what tabernacle means, it's tent. Little booths, uh, what they would call as well, maybe you've heard it called the Feast of Booths. 
And they lived in these little, these little tents. And the Feast of Tabernacle helped the people remember this journey, this deliverance by God. And so during the Feast of Tabernacles, they would actually construct little tents outside their home. And they would eat their meals within it uh, during the festival to, to, to remember, to honor God and how he delivered them. And so this is what we, where we find Jesus in John chapter 7. We find him during the Feast of Tabernacles interacting with some of the people, specifically some of the Pharisees. Each night of the Feast of Tabernacles, the people would begin by lighting candles to, to light their evening and their festivities. And so it's during this time, the lighting of the candles, when Jesus stands up and we find these words in John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, I can picture in my mind Jesus standing and and pointing to the candles as they were being lit before he said this statement. I believe that this happens a lot in Scripture, that Jesus taught based on what was kind of going on around him as he was journeying through a, a down a path where there would be a farmer planting seeds. What did he tell? But the parable of the sower. Uh, when he was uh, in uh, different cities, he would use what was around him to teach. And that's what we find here in this moment is him using the illustration and saying, as you see these candles being lit for this celebration, let me tell you something about myself. See, that, that isn't your light. I am your light. I am the light of the world. And here, once again, we see in this verse that ego I me. You remember that from last week? We talked about the ego I me. That's the Greek words for I am. This, again, is a claim by Jesus to deity. It's an implied I am God. This time, not only is the ego I me pointing to Jesus, asserting that he is God, but he follows it up with a concept that would shout to the people that he is claiming to be God. And that is the light of the world, the idea of the light of the world. The light of the world was a concept that the Jews would have associated with the Messiah, with God himself. And we see this reflected in many of the prophetic uh, passages within Scripture talking about the coming Messiah. In Isaiah, there's a couple of these. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. A light has dawned. That promised Messiah was coming. And he would come as a light in the darkness. In Isaiah chapter 42, verses 5 through 7, it says this. It says, Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeons, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. The job of the Messiah was to bring light to all mankind, to rescue those who were in darkness. Messiah was a light in the night, a deliverer for those who were lost. You know, when I was a kid, I had nightmares. I had several recurring nightmares that I, I can still pretty uh, vividly recall them uh, that would take place. Uh, not every night, but every so often. And 
one of those always started the exact same way. It started by me hearing something, and I would get up out of bed, wondering what it was, in a little bit of a panic, and I would go to turn on the light in my room. And guess what would happen? No light, right? No light. And so as soon as that light didn't turn on when I flipped the switch, I knew where I was. I was in my nightmare. And then it began. And, and it wasn't just too horrible, but, but still brings back some bad memories of those, those nights. And I would, I would panic. And, and I remember that in that panic, I needed two things. You know what those two things were? I needed my parents, right? I needed someone to come and rescue me, to come wake me up from that dream. And I needed light, right? I needed that light switch to work because I knew that if I could just turn on that light, that everything would be okay, right? Light is so important. Light reveals the truth. You know, as a child and as an adult, there's something reassuring about the light. Light drives away the darkness, and it allows you to see that everything is okay. Those shadows are just coat racks, right? Those, those, that sound, it's just the wind outside. You know, as a child, there's something comforting about having someone like a parent nearby. You can sleep with calm assurance that everything's okay, that someone's watching out for you, that they're protecting you, that they can deal with anything that comes along, and so you can rest easy. The Messiah, Jesus, fills both of those roles. He fills the role as our rescuer and our redeemer, our deliverer, and he fills the role of our light as well. In Psalm chapter 27, verse 1, it says, The Lord is, Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? I love that verse. The Lord is my light. Right? He, he brings light to whatever situation I'm in and reveals the truth. But he's not just the light. He doesn't just reveal the truth. He doesn't just chase away the darkness, but he delivers me as well. He's my salvation. And when I have those two things, when I have a Savior and when I have the light, what's the verse tell us? That we have nothing to fear. To start off this past year, uh, in January, I preached through a, a series of sermons based on our existence statement. I'm sure, I don't know if you remember that or not, but we looked at uh, why we exist here at Southside. And, and we uh, based that existence statement on a few verses from Scripture. One of those is John chapter 17, verse 4. John 17, 4 says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. This is Jesus praying, and he says that, God, you gave me a job to do, and I came to this earth, and I did it. I obeyed you, and as a result of my obedience, I glorified you. Now, you remember that? We talked about that statement. We also looked at Matthew 28, where God, or Jesus kind of gives us a, a job. He says, go and make disciples. And we believe that just like John chapter 17, that as we make disciples, that we are acting in obedience to God, right? And that obedience glorifies him so we carry out john chapter 17 verse 4 as we practice those things well i believe that our job as christians is to carry on the work of jesus and jesus glorified god by his obedience well we have a similar job to take up the calling of jesus and share his love with this world in the same way i believe that jesus is the light of the world 
I believe that our job is to be the light of the world as well. That we need to pick up and take forward that mission of Jesus as the light. In fact, it's not just my belief. It's actually a directive from Jesus himself. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it says this. Jesus on the, on, on the Sermon on the Mount says, You are the light of the world. You. You're the light of, you're the, light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, our job is to reflect that light, the light of the world found in Jesus. I had a song that I used to really uh, like to listen to when I was back in high school and just out of high school, and it was called Satellite Babies. You now, if I shared the lyrics with you, you'd probably scratch your head in wonder at my choice of music, so I'll spare you that. But basically, the concept of the song was that we, as Christians, are satellites of God's love. Okay, Just like a satellite is up there in space, and it takes a signal that's sent to it, and then it sends it back to a location that maybe that signal couldn't have gotten to in the first place, that our job is to reflect the light of Jesus in that same way. Kind of like a mirror, if you think of it that way. I heard a story a while back about a gentleman who was raised during World War II in Italy. And his country and the place where he lived at that time was just devastated by the war. And his parents had to move around to avoid fighting. And and one day when they were traveling from one location to another, they had to leave everything behind. And he had nothing but the clothes, basically, that were on his back. And as they were walking down the road to this new location, he looked down and he saw a broken mirror laying in the road. And so he grabbed that little piece of mirror and he put it in his pocket. And that became kind of his only toy that he had. And, and one day as he was playing with the mirror, he noticed that the light would reflect. Have you ever played with a mirror and maybe with a cat and you let him chase the light around that's reflected? And he found that by using that mirror and shining the light into a dark place, he could expose some things maybe that he wouldn't normally get to see. And this is what he says. He says, I grew to understand that this, this mirror, is a metaphor for what I could do with my life. With what I have, with what I've been given, I can reflect light. I can reflect truth. I can reflect understanding, meaning, and knowledge into the black places of the hearts of men and maybe change some things in some people. Perhaps others may see and do likewise. We, too, reflect whatever light we can so we can give light to those who are in darkness. I just love that picture. He used that light and he'd shine it into the dark corners through a little knot hole in the, in the floor and he could see what was behind uh, the flooring. We could see what was in a dark corner because of the mirror reflecting the light. And as he grew older, he understood that our lives are mirrors, mirrors for the light of this world. So how do we reflect light? How do we do that? Well, how does a mirror reflect light? It has to be in the light to reflect the light. You know, we were created by God to be mirrors of him. Uh, in one of my series a few months back, I talked about how we are image bearers of God. We reflect his image. He created us 
to be like him. And if he is light, he created us to be light as well. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, it says, This is the message we have heard from him, and I proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness. If we say we have fellowship with him while we'll walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You know, a mirror only reflects light when it's in the light. And if we want to reflect the light of Jesus, we have to be in the light as well. So how do we do that? How do we walk in this light? Ephesians chapter 5 gives us an answer to that. It says, For you were once darkness. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. The first part is, when we're rescued by Jesus, he picks us up out of the darkness. And he places us firmly in the light. Okay, so we are in the light if we're following Jesus. For you once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. In other words, stay in the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. In this passage, in Ephesians chapter 5 here, it gives us three ideas of what we can do to stay in the light. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. The first part there is goodness. Goodness, it says, for the fruit of the light consists of goodness. Now, I don't think that I have to stand up here very long and talk about what it is to be good. I think we all kind of know what it means to be good. We know the actions that we uh, carry out in our life, whether they're good or bad, right? To be good, to practice goodness isn't a hard concept to grasp. If we see someone in a difficult situation and we choose to walk the other way, is that practicing goodness? No. No, goodness would be to go and walk along that side of that person through whatever journey they're facing. Uh, just a little practical way, I was thinking in, in my mind of someone at the grocery store who's carrying out their plastic bags and the bags break. Okay, what's the good choice to make? To help them, right? To get down on our hands and knees and scoop up their groceries and help them, right? Now, the easy thing would be to go, oh, man, that sucker, they're, they're, they're in for it now. See you later, Right? We know, our world knows the difference between what's right and good and what's not. The first thing there, practice goodness. Practice goodness. And you will be in the light. Second one is righteousness. Righteousness. In 1 Peter chapter 2.24, it says, He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. See, righteousness is similar to this concept that I mentioned earlier. How do we be in the light? Well, the first thing to realize is that he put us in the light when he rescued us from darkness. Righteousness is a similar concept. He gave us righteousness. But it says that now our job is to crucify the things of the flesh, to die to sin. In Romans chapter 8, verse 13, and Colossians 3, 5, it tells us to put to death the deeds of the flesh. I encourage you to read those passages 
this week. Romans 8, Colossians 3. Put to death the deeds of the flesh and stay in Christ's righteousness. It's by his wounds we are healed. The third part, goodness, righteousness. Third part is truth. In John 17, 17, it says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. What is the truth? Where do we find the truth? We find it in God's word. How do we stay in the light? Stay in the truth. We stay in God's word. In Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. God's word. Stay in it. If you want to be in the light, practice goodness. Stay righteous and be in the word. You know, last week we saw that when Jesus, we saw that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And that when he, when he made that statement, he attached to it a promise. Do you remember that promise? That promise was this. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Do you remember that? You will never hunger. You will never thirst. This week we learned that Jesus is the, the light of the world. And this week he makes a, a similar statement to, to what he did last in that pa- passage from John chapter 6. When he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He will never again walk in darkness. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? The Bible tells us to take and eat the bread of the life, and we will always be satisfied. Are you in darkness? Are you alone? Are you in need of rescue? Follow the light of the world. He will deliver you. He will lead you by day and by night through the good and the bad. He is the light of this world. And it's our responsibility to to be a light as well and to help him to shine that light into the darkness of this world. There are a lot of people in this world, in this community, in this town that are walking in darkness. And we have the light. What are we going to do with it? That's the question. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. We thank you that we can live a life in the light and that we can follow you unashamedly and we can, we can worship you freely. And those are great things, Father. But, Father, there's a world around us that's lost and going to hell, and we have the answer. So I pray, Father, this week that as we go from here that we will remember that it's more important. It's not, it's not just important that, that we live within the light, but we have a responsibility to reflect that light to all of those around us. Father, we're so grateful for that love. We're so grateful for that light. In your precious son's name I pray. Amen.